2: Casper began his career on YouTube over a decade ago and was really in that golden era of Brit tubers who took over the world. He's collaborated with some of the biggest names in the space like JJ, Mr Beast, Joe Sugg and many others. And things were really flying for him. He was at the top of what seemed to be the most dominant space in the world. But then he decided to quit. And in this conversation, we talk about why. Why did Casper decide to leave it all to pursue a career as an entrepreneur? We deep dive into all of his businesses like MVE, Influencer.com, and Create Ventures, as well as talk about how he's getting on in life, having come through such an incredible roller coaster journey. It's truly an amazing story, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Let's get into it with Casper. It's about time. It's about time, my friend. Yeah, it's like been a long time. It's been a long time.
1: When did we first? I, I, I almost was worried that uh, you invited me on, and then you realized you didn't actually want me. Oh
2: no, never, never. You've been top top of the list since we started this. Oh. But Casper, I I wanted to talk about a number of things with you. Obviously, we were just talking about it as well. Um, you've been doing. Amazing things for so long. It feels like a, a lifetime. You probably span now many dif- different generations in terms of audience, in terms of groups. You're, you're a wise old man <laughs> of, the, of the game.
1: In but my 20s still. In your 20s still. Just, that's just it. That's
2: it. But I'd love to know from the beginning, like, where did it all begin for you yeah. in terms of content, in terms of everything you're doing now? What was the starting point?
1: So it, it started in a bath. And uh, as yeah. most things yeah, do. Yeah, as it. most things yeah. do. It wasn't, a, it wasn't, I'm not talking about my mom having uh, me in a bath. <laughs> Um, talking about the fact that my first YouTube video I decided was, uh, is bathing uh, more difficult to do than showering because it's hot being in a bath, whereas when you're in a shower it's a bit annoying, but it's not that hot when you get in. And that—that's my idea. That was my idea of content. And everyone's thinking, "What the f- what the <laughs> fuck is he talking about?"
2: Looking back on that time, obviously everybody's gone and done incredible things in different ways, right? Some people have settled down, have families, other people have carried on content different ways, started businesses and so on. What is your reflection looking back on that, that time period in your life now?
1: I was, I'm proud of myself actually, you know, I was so brave uh, and I did things that even today would would scare the living shit out of me. But because I was so young, I took risks. Obviously very lucky to have an audience that supported those risks and wouldn't have been able to do anything without them. But like moving, you know, overseas at 18, we were hopefully trailblazers for the next generation in terms of like trying to tell TV, look at us. Like we can we can do stuff, working with brands for the first time. And I think, uh, yeah, somehow I just maybe was surrounded by amazing people and they gave me the confidence. Yes. But there's things I look back on. I'm like, I can't believe you did that. I can't mm. believe you sat in a room you know, making jokes with Kevin Hart or Seth Rogen. And, you know, today I hope I would still be able to do that, but there was definitely a time between then and now where I got very insecure and, like, I was like, I don't even know who that person is. I've learned that doing new things for me is very scary because I, I am, you know, slightly insecure and I get anxious about things. But at the same time, if I don't do those new things, I get very sad. And yeah. so I have to keep pushing, keep feeling anxious, keep feeling like I'm doing new stuff mm. to feel good about myself. Uh, whereas I was avoiding stuff for a period and I'm proud I'm yeah, not doing yeah. that anymore.
2: So when you were... Uh... At that point where obviously things were booming, you were, as yeah. you say, fearless, life's going at a million miles now, yeah. you were doing all crazy things, yeah. speaking to Kevin Hart, <laughs> traveling the world, late in America, all these things. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, late in America. Oh, what, we what a time, what a time to it. be yeah, alive. We should have a late in America section.
2: We should, we should, we'll get into it in, in, a, in a second. But when did it start really popping off for you? And when did the, you yeah. know, the, the money side of things start yeah, changing yeah, yeah. your life? Because obviously YouTube at that point monetization started coming in and it came in quite big. What was that like for you on a personal level and when did things all change?
1: You know, it it wasn't like an overnight thing where I had something go viral. I think there was enough of a ramp up period where even though I think what happened for me first is the audience got really big. um, Not overnight again, as I said, I had like two, two years with a thousand subscribers or less. Uh, and then it went to kind of like 100,000 in like the next few months and then eventually, you know, a million within a year and then all of a sudden 5 million and so on. But then it took a while for the brands to follow. So, you know, we knew how we had this very special thing, um, but it wasn't really, you know, the money wasn't kind of the, the defining factor of the success. And also, even when I'd, you know, go out in the real world, at the time, most of my audience was probably like, at school, they were like 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, and so you, you know, you go to a nightclub and so on, and you yep. talk to someone, and they would have no idea who you were, yeah. and, you, and they'd even ask you what you did, and I'd, you know, back then I'd be embarrassed to say YouTuber, I mm. kind of say, oh, I, you know, I videos, I'm in the, yeah. yeah, I'm in the advertising <laughs> oh, yeah. industry, or I make, <laughs> you know, I'm a, I'm a producer, whatever I could come up with. Um, and so we kind of had this, even though we had this success, it was almost like fake, it was like our own secret success, yeah. which I think kept me very kind of motivated to try and do more. And, you know, my goal with a lot of the businesses I've built is to help creators become part of the mainstream. But the money did eventually come. And, you know, my family, we've always survived quite well. I'm not saying we had absolutely nothing, but money was always a big worry. Mm. Uh, and so I've always, ever since, you know, money's come into my life, I've never gone, oh, I'm going to buy this, this, and this. I basically try to, you know, use the money to create more yeah um, and hopefully one day hand that over to my family and also make a difference especially in south africa where i'm from so um yeah really w- i think about money as a tool to create more money which hopefully i'm going to make some good decisions with yeah. that will help other people
2: yeah yeah and so then when did it peak for you like what was the
1: highest and maybe it was late in america yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the peak of it of everything i'm trying to YouTube? think i i don't firstly one thing you'll you'll learn about me is my memory is shocking but myself and Joe, kind of touring, we we ended up all the way in New Zealand. Um, met, for, was, it,
2: was that like the Manila trip as well, right? Yeah, no, was, we, was so we went to one? Manila. Yeah.
1: Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do you, well, Joe, you, talk, Joe talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. On, yeah. yeah, So, like, you know, having police escorts, you know, just going around the world and having uh, viewers waiting at airports. Um, I think that was that was pretty crazy, but. Luckily for me, I think other people like Joe went on to have more mainstream success. I always kind of I was a bit skeptical of trying to do any sort of uh, you know I wanted I did try the acting thing <laughs> that was fun, uh, but then I was thrived very, in the acting thank game. I thrived, yeah. and uh, but then I kind of like realized I was happy with the the like being a creator mm. and the success that came with that, and then uh, and then and then I became really obsessed with how can I do this behind the scenes, and so I, I'd say. It almost it kind of peaked, and then maybe within a year or two, I started thinking like, okay, I, I don't think I'm growing anymore as a creator. Uh, What is my actual talent in life? It's not being an actor. It's not being a musician. It's not a dancer. (laughs) Debateable. I I felt like, thank you. I felt (laughs) like my talent was collaboration and I I felt like business was a perfect place Mm. um, to use that.
2: Yeah. Because I was, you know, what I was thinking is obviously, yeah, you've gone on this incredible peak. You are, you know, one of the top creators in the country on YouTube in terms of scale, in terms of fame, in terms of everything, really, on all metrics. But then you quit everything. And, That's, I think, one of the most interesting parts about your story that you've been able to have a huge amount of success which we'll get into in this next chapter of your career in business. But it meant quitting. So what was it like to quit? When when did you make that decision and what led to the decision to stop?
1: I wish I could claim I had this whole planned out and I said I'm going to quit and then I took the risk to do the next thing. But I've, I think firstly with YouTube and becoming a professional YouTube, it wasn't like I took this massive risk. It kind of started working and I was like, shit, let me just double down on this. Mm. And the same thing with business. It was like it, it started working before I quit. And so I think quitting is important, but having a, you know, having a fairly solid platform to jump onto before you jump off of the other one is, is important too. Then Jeffries came to me with the idea of Influencer.com. So he's my co-founder in around 2017. And that's when that's when we, we kind of really went for it with that. And we raised some capital, started employing people. And I think by 2019, things had started to really work. And it, it was around then, actually just before lockdown as well, that I was really struggling with like trying to do both Influencer.com, MVE, which is Margravine, yep. the management company, And a few other things that I'm involved in while also being a creator. And then I think, you know, I took the break and then lockdown happened. I was like, oh, now I'm just going to focus on the businesses. Mm. There's a lot of people who rely on these companies. You know, it's their job. And, And whereas obviously being a creator, I love that. I, I had to focus on on this for a bit and I, I never thought, no, I'm done with creating. I'm just like, I'm going to stop for now and then two or three years <laughs> yeah. pass and it looks like I quit, which yeah. I guess yeah. I have.
2: Yeah. I, and when you did, you know, in terms of what those businesses were, yeah. can you break down the different companies that you started? Yeah. Which one took off the most? Yeah. How was it in that period of, I guess, 2019, you having three, two main businesses, some yeah. other side things, yeah. and then your channel?
1: Influencer.com is, is basically... A platform that connects brands and creators at scale. So we work with with really large global brands like people like Google, uh, Amazon, tourism boards uh, to help them with their influencer marketing. So we're we're kind of representing the clients. We you know we have over kind of thirteen thousand creators on the platform who sign up to do those brand deals, and then we'll go to either you know our creators on the platform or creators of platform or managers like yourself and, uh, and get them brand deals for their uh, clients. And then separately to that, I have a company called MVE, which was Margravine, which I started with Joe Sugg, which uh, we launched with a company called IMG, which is a global kind of uh, business. Uh, you might know IMG Models yeah, or huge. IMG Academy and so on. And that's more of a, we only represent the talent. So influencer representing mostly brands at scale. MVE very much kind of 360 degrees talent management. And I love doing both of those things. And I I like the fact that they're separate as well.
2: And actually two separate client bases. Even though a lot of people think that influencer agencies represent the talent, they don't. They represent the brands and the navigation with talent. Whereas you've got both sides of that covered, right? Exactly.
1: And sometimes some of the influencer agencies and what influencer does, you know, sometimes they try and do both. My personal opinion is it's good to separate it so there's that conflict. I'm very proud to be part of Influencer because I feel like we're helping creators. So when we say we're we're representing brands, that doesn't mean we're trying to screw over creators. The way to represent brands correctly is to have a great relationship with creators. But the businesses are definitely separate in that regard. And then a few years later, Influencer now has like 150 people working there. It's a pretty global business. You know, revenues are big. Profit is good right now. Like, touch wood, we're just, we're flying. That gave me kind of the ability to also go off with a guy called Sasha Kaletsky, based on my experiences as, as an entrepreneur and as a creator, to launch a, a fund, a VC fund. And Sasha's also my cousin, and he has a big background in private equity. And that's kind of the most recent thing that I'm really focused on, which is it's called Creative Ventures, and we we, we invest in startups in the consumer yeah. internet space.
2: And similar to your point before, I think, on, you know, you made money through AdSense, you then leveraged that money to build other things. Was that influencer then and the success of that that gave you the capital to then start putting it into things like Creative Ventures?
1: Yeah, so that's a really good question. You know, the money from it as a creator, I've always, um, I I wasn't like a Mr. Beast when I was a creator and he's a genius. Like the fact that he reinvested so much of his money and scaled his business. Yeah, I never really did that as a creator. I kind of, you know, all the money I made, I just put into safe assets like property or... Um, also you know uh, some stocks and so on Mm. and then when it came to influencer you know we raised capital from from outside sources so i didn't put uh capital my own capital into that um but when it came to creative ventures the reason we were able to actually launch the fund i kind of made it sound like we just i had a successful company and sasha's very smart and then we launched a fund it was actually a lot of work before that where I used also some of the money I had from being a creator mm. and a bit of money making from Influencer. But, you know, with a company like Influencer, you're it's making money, borrow, but you're not yeah. trying to no, take the money no. out. You're yep. trying to build it up. Uh, so most of the money from being a creator, I started investing in um, startups alongside other creators. And so we we invested um, in a few companies people might know. But, th- you know, the, the biggest company we invested in that had an exit is called It. They merged with another company a couple of years ago and sold together for one point five billion, of which wow. face it was worth five hundred million. Wow. And we'd put money in. So it was very lucky. I was yeah. speaking about and This is before this. creative ventures. This is just kind of before creative we started raising capital for okay. creative ventures, but those sorts of results helped us.
2: One thing that I've sort of seen as a bit of a thread in some of the conversations, but it's so interesting when you talk about going into the world of VCs, which is a you yeah. know a whole world in and of itself, right? Yeah. With all of its challenges, as well as going into influencer marketing, as well as yeah. talent management. You're doing all these incredible yeah. things. One thing that I've noticed in, from previous conversations you've had is around like imposter syndrome and yeah. you feeling out of place in those yeah. in those worlds. But also, as you said, you sort of had a, a sort of period of insecurity where you were struggling to find yeah. your feet. What was that period like? How did you find coming into these new yeah. areas and arenas, which as a creator, you, you yeah. never touched really before? What was that like? Yeah,
1: so... I knew that the reason I was getting these opportunities was because I was a creator. It wasn't because I was some genius who should be, you know, running a company. That gave me a lot of insecurity in the beginning because that's how I felt. And I'm pretty sure that was the truth. But over time, I had to, you know, I had to use that insecurity and use that anxiety to put in more effort, put in more time to learn how to not feel like that. And and the only way I was going to stop feeling like that was actually to become good at what I was doing. These things take time. you got to keep feeling shit to start feeling better. And I start now, you know, when I'm scared of something and I'm fearful of something or I'm insecure about something, I kind of want to do it because I know that's the only way I'm going to get rid of that that, that feeling. In hindsight, I now realize I was actually providing information and sharing stuff that maybe no one else could within those businesses, and maybe Mm -hmm. that's hopefully part of our success. But at the time, it didn't feel like that. Mm So I think both learning more and then also realizing my own perspective and maybe my less um, kind of formal education and roots is actually what businesses need and having that formal you know going through the ranks in the same way as everyone else is great and it's good to have and i've also hopefully surrounded myself with people like that Mm. but you want a bit of both you want someone who's gonna as i said in the very beginning of this conversation take maybe risks and do things that you probably wouldn't do if you knew everything yeah uh, and then you also want the other person on the other side saying no, no, no. Be careful with this one. This is a bit much. Yeah. So it's, with with influencer, the example is quite good. It's like Ben, my co-founder, is a CEO. He is a visionary as well. I'm not going to say he's not, uh, but he's very much like you know day to day making sure mm. now is working and then I'm trying to think about the crazy ideas and 10 of them will be shit but then the one that works could be amazing
2: yeah so from your experience with navigating imposter syndrome and trying to find your place in business coming yeah. out of this world of content and creativity what would be your advice to people who might be struggling with that same thing obviously there are other, there are many creators now who probably looking you manage yeah. a ton right yeah. who are probably looking at the space as I would be if I was a creator yeah. worrying a little bit yeah. about the prospects in yeah. terms of channel revenue the need now to diversify with your own businesses but also with working maybe for other companies too right so there's going to be a lot more a lot more creators now moving into business a lot more people I think are getting more into entrepreneurship it's more popular than ever before what would be your advice to those people who are transitioning fields to kind of navigate some of that
1: yeah be on time (laughs) is a really I I think you're going to be like why I think like people view you as as a reputation as a creator by your audience and that's one thing Mm. but I think a lot of creators um you know they're brilliant uh creatives and they're very entrepreneurial, but you also have to make sure when you go into this part of the world and you go into the other side that you're super timely, you're super kind, you're super organized, you're trying your best to make sure that I'm not saying become like everyone else, but learn the language, spend the time meeting as many people as possible and i I think again, some creators like maybe because of the fame. And maybe because of the early success, they can become kind of closed off to meeting people because, you know, it's just, I think that's what happens with celebrities sometimes. Mm. And I think when you're doing a business, you've got to be open to meeting as many people as possible. Not only the people who you think are going to help you right now, but also the people you could potentially help who maybe will help you one day in the future. Mm. And so I take so many meetings and I mean, you know, they don't all have to be in person. You can just do kind of a 30-minute Zoom call. And I've also been so surprised with some of the amazing people I've met who I was like, why the hell are they meeting me? And I'm realizing, actually, they're doing the same strategy I'm doing. 100%. They're just meeting as many people as possible and it doesn't all work out. Yeah. But you, you firstly, you're being nice to people, so one day they'll look, you know, they'll be nice to you. And secondly, the best new things and the best new ideas are going to come from the bottom sometimes. They're not mm. always going to come from the top.
2: The amount of times I have meetings yeah. and I'm like, oh, kind of don't really want to be on this call. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, let's make, keep it half an hour, whatever it might be. And you jump on and you might even, I've sometimes, don't even know who I'm speaking to, just be in the calendar. It'll jump on, it'll be the best meeting ever. Or there'll be something that somebody says and you go, hang on a minute, we've just got this thing over here that might be perfect for you. Yeah, I completely agree. My mindset, fully in alignment with yours is, say yes to the meetings, just do it. Because what's the harm in spending 30 minutes talking to somebody? Because actually, something probably brilliant will come from it. And from the weirdest things, often you get pockets of of amazing opportunity found.
1: Exactly. And and I think there's also, you know, there's something about being a creator where you're you you are very worried about making mistakes based on you know the fact that your reputation is everything. You rely on brands uh, and and your audience for a living, and then you've got to learn to start taking a bit more risks when it comes to like starting stuff and I'm not saying fi- be careful with financial risks and financial products I'm not saying go into crypto and <laughs> <Yes>. take crazy <laughs> risks there but you've got to you got to I love this the saying like you miss 100% 100% of the shots you don't take and I think that goes back to the meetings but it goes back to so much in business is like you know you, you, I, I the idea of perfecting something before you release it is just so crazy to me just mm. try something fail quickly and move on to the next thing and yeah. um I think being a creator some people want to make sure they're like thinking about every possible thing that can go wrong. And Mm. I'm very much like, don't worry so much. Like, I know it feels like the world cares about everything you're saying because you have this intense audience. But the majority of mistakes you make, if they're not like from a really nasty, evil place, Mm. I think it's okay. And you got to be open to that too.
2: Yeah. Interestingly, as a quick pivot, like how has the space changed? Because it's shifted so much, right? And I think... Your generation of creator, from the conversations I've had and from my understanding of the space, had maybe more freedom to express without yeah. as much pressure yeah. necessarily from the platform. Going, this is never You're like that's easy
1: for you to say. Well, the Daily Mail listen, ain't gonna pick up your shit.
2: Listen, like, I'm I'm no creator, right? However, <laughs> yeah, yeah. however, what's interesting now is I look at creators today and like the yeah. levels of. Of you can never do a bathtub video, not that that's yeah, the dust, yeah, yeah, you can never yeah, do that yeah, kind yeah. of video today and get yeah, yeah. yeah, anywhere, even if you had a million subs. Yeah. So, how, what's your view on the way that maybe YouTube yeah. has shifted yeah. and how modern creators can combat yeah. perfectionism? Because I see it in so many yeah. creators, perfectionism, where yeah. it's like they struggle to put a video out because the algorithm yeah. pressure, it sucks, and the pressure of retention, all these things is so high.
1: Yeah, 100%. And, and I all, 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 almost worry that some content is becoming so, for me, boring because it's trying to perfect the algorithm. As someone who's maybe getting slightly older and I'm boring now, maybe I want something that's not so um, edited. I want Mm. something that's a little bit more kind of authentic and maybe slower paced. So I don't feel like my mind's racing at a million miles an hour. But when it comes to these creators now, it's just, yeah, I can't necessarily sit down here and say, that uh i've had the exact same experience they've had they've they've had to really fight um whereas i think when we started there was this you know there was this moment where if you knew the right people and you were you know making content consistently um you could be part of that wave and mm. you could have a lot of people just came up together and then yeah. a lot of people you're like what is their thing? Oh no, they're just part of this, this, mm, this wave. Moment, and, yeah. and I, maybe I was part of that. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm just amazed by, by some of the, the levels at which these creators, when I speak to them, uh, you know, some of the science that goes into it now. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, I love, I love learning as much as I can. I love, you know, advising my talent, but at the end of the day, like, if you want to make it today it's it's not it's it's not how it was when i Mm. did it it's it's seriously like you're competing with the best it's like becoming a professional footballer i feel like it's the most sought after career yeah Yeah. more people want to be like creators than astronauts yeah and so yeah you're going to have some authentic breakthroughs who win the lottery but the 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 kind of the other group who are going to make it are just going to be the hardest most scientific kind of Mm. creators there are so
2: yeah i think it's so like it's so hard now yeah. almost to a point where as you're saying because you've lost that ability to maybe express in the way you you yeah. used to express what what even is the space anymore yeah. like are you just satisfying the algorithm how many true creative creators yeah. can exist and thrive in this yeah. space in a way not not many handful perhaps yeah. but i do worry about how the space evolves and moves yeah. because I think the platforms dictating creativity so heavily yeah. leads to ultimately like a sterile creative exactly. environment where everyone is just trying to make it work because they've almost placed their bet on this industry to make money yeah. and if they've been successful made any money they need to keep that up the yeah. only way you can keep that up is by satisfying the the ruling algorithm yeah. which seems to dominate all so you know?
1: yeah, probably why i kind of said peace but um <laughs> look we can talk about like what's getting loads of views and what's like the big kind of mainstream stuff. But I do also think we have to caveat with the, you know, the platforms also have their different categories and they know what you want.
2: Yeah. I mean, because there's so much content there's yeah. room, on a platform, maybe like TikTok, especially yeah. there's room for more to get visibility, right? Yeah, yeah, I exactly. think YouTube may be a little bit, maybe a little bit harder. Yeah,
1: it's strange. I think that, yeah. I think I definitely feel like TikTok knows what I want more than yeah. YouTube. I feel like I spend more time looking for what I want on YouTube, whereas on TikTok, it, yeah, the yeah, first it's thing there. I see is yeah, there.
2: Hundred percent and likelihood because the reach is so much higher because there's you know it has a greater level of discoverability. Yeah. You can find it more. The numbers, even on stuff which might seem really niche, is actually yeah yeah, massive. yeah exactly. Um, so so going back to this sort of principle of quitting or saying no to things, which I sort of bucket together. Have there been any other times, obviously a big point is you just said, right? Maybe why you dipped was partly because of this, slightly, uh, how would I describe it? This this over algorithmic focus on platforms that make it quite hard for creators to survive unless you're chasing the week on week treadmill and everything else. That was one moment. Have there been any other moments in your career since then where you've said no to big things or you've quote unquote quit that have defined... Your next stage or your next step?
1: Yeah, I'm very much. I'll try something quickly, and um, if it if it if it fails, uh, yeah, I'll I kind of like push it under the rug. But of you know of the big things I've done since then, I've I'm sticking at them still, and I think I I've been you know the, obviously there's some investments that haven't um, g- gone perfectly, yeah. but when you're investing in twenty companies, you that's know happens, that's going to yeah. happen. So yeah, luckily touch it would right now, th- there's nothing I've kind of um, recently quit there's been projects we've done within companies and things we've tried, but there's nothing big that comes to mind. And and I think that's because all the big things have only become big because we've done we've done a lot of A-B testing and, and then yeah. we've doubled down on those. So
2: But that mindset that you're talking about there is
1: yeah, quitting on, it's a quitting micro on scale, the It's quitting on
2: I think to your point, I think you say it quite confidently because it's just part of your world. But it's yeah. quite difficult to do that, the point yeah. of try as you said it, you know, try something, do it quickly. If it fails, move yeah. on. You're constantly, yeah, yeah, in a way, yeah. quitting yeah. things that don't work. Why is that so important to have that mindset? Because, yeah. again, like, I, I completely agree, and it's something that we try and em- employ with everything yeah. we do. With with the Sidemen, everything we do with Arcade, everything is yeah. about try it, get something out, see yeah. how it goes, and then shift and pivot yeah yeah, yeah. a strategy like for us recently with with ghost kitchens besides that didn't work ghost kitchens were not at the level we wanted so we had to quit we've shut them all we've now entering into brick and mortar at scale um for example so are there you know why is that such a powerful tool
1: i mean it's it's just because no one if anyone can sit there and say they know what everyone wants and what everyone wants to buy and what everyone's going to do with their lives in advance, that they would they would be you know Jeff Bezos or, or Elon Musk <laughs> yeah. or whatever or way bigger. Like if everyone knew exactly where things were going to go, they could do anything. So, because we don't know that, the best we have is 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 testing little things and then doubling down on things that work. And like I play I play poker. Uh, you know, I've never played poker in my life. You know, really okay. Well, it's 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 a really interesting game. I think there's so many aspects of it that um, you know, I feel like obviously poker is the only kind of gambling game where you're not necessarily um the under underdog because if you're actually good at it based on your table yeah over time you'll win yeah you 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 got to play some hands and lose some money along the way but if you keep keep up Practicing, and you have a good yeah. strategy mm. you should eventually win and so i think you know, sometimes with poker, you have the best hand in the world. and the, So that could be in business. You have the best idea in the world. And you th- and then the, the flop comes out, which is like the next three cards. Uh, and that might be the market and it's completely awful. And you might have the best hand, but you know someone else is going to win the hand. So you actually have to fold and you have to be able to do that. Mm. And then sometimes you might have a really kind of mediocre idea or mediocre mm. I- hand. And the flop and the market's perfect. And so I think... A, a lot of business isn't necessarily the the idea or the team. I think those are obviously important for, and I think you're more likely to win than not if you have the the right team. But I think like the, the the kind of sixty to seventy percent of a of something's success is the market and the timing and all that, and that's something you can't you can't predict exactly. Yeah. And so you got to just get involved, see how how people react, how the market thinks, and then double down if you think you've got a winner, and mm-hmm. then be pre- prepared, even if things there's also a lot of you know i could sit here in a year and be like really embarrassed because maybe things haven't gone to plan um because i again i can't control and i'm i'm am op- I'm okay with that i can't control it and so hopefully when things you know everything happens and hopefully the success so far i'll never sit here and be like i knew that was going to happen because i did x y z and mm. all i could say is i had a strategy and sometimes things were going to fail and sometimes they're going to work out but overall it worked out mm-hmm. and so that's why you should play poker oh yeah, you yeah. mate night. you
2: need to teach me yeah now, literally I'm blank, so I will definitely lose no, it's, a lot. Uh, yeah, it's, it's
1: it's it's fun when you're on the when you when you're the best on the table. It's oh yeah, there go. What the you go. That's why you host them,
2: right? Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so going back to setting up these companies, then um, obviously let's talk about MVE Margarine yeah. as a good case study and example. Yeah. You know, you're dealing with creators. You know, waves of, of talent. Managing talent is hard yeah. at scale with yeah. big rosters, and not that you have a huge. You, you've yeah. always kept it, I think. Yeah you know carefully managed yeah. but there must have been a lot of times and also you're you know you're teaching as well right you're helping to coach yeah. your create your your people in your roster your, you know how to say no to things how yeah. to quit in a small yeah. way have there been any examples or stories you can talk about of either you guys as a duo pivoting um, or changing or saying no to things that have or you know either for you guys or for your talent yeah. that have helped to shape or determine the future in a positive way
1: it's a really good question I mean with our, with our talent at MVE, the reason I think a lot of them like it is because we are backed by IM, IMG. And so we never like started the business going day one, we need to make tons of money. There was like, always room yeah. for us just to grow the business. So our talent all know and we're very clear that you know if there's a deal they, they don't want to do or if they want to take time without doing deals, like that's fine. We're, we're here to, to help them and to support them and we're working for them and so we we're, we're always really open about that so there's there's tons of things uh, people people say no to it's actually quite interesting this this maybe doesn't answer your question correctly but it's an interesting thing that maybe ever, i don't know if anyone remembers the um, the the company vessel it was a big startup it was trying to rival youtube mm. it was basically going to you were going to window your videos uh, on vessel Uh, kind of three days early and then you know fans could pay like ten dollars to get that and i know that doesn't sound crazy now but back then like people were like kind of the firstly viewers were like why are we paying to see the same content early and i get that Mm. Uh, and so a lot of creators were also worried what if so many of their fans decide to pay for the content early that it destroys like the first Group of people who usually watch their content and then hurts their yeah. videos doing yeah, really yeah, well because yeah. we know how the algorithm works. And what if a viewer sees it on Vessel and then goes to YouTube and then what if someone watch just it? leaks it, right? Or what if someone <laughs> leaks it exactly? So, so a lot of people said no to it. Mm. And you know, I know you asked me. this a question about saying no to things, but I guess maybe it goes back to me. I say yes to a lot of things, yeah, yeah. and I my viewers, it's it's a really you know it's a lot of money that I could do to you know I could secure a, a lot of my future by doing this. Mm. So, I, I, you know. Who knows how long YouTube's going to last? But also my view was, it probably, it doesn't, I didn't feel like it was going to work. I, but they were offering this massive check. Mm. And I was like, to, to
2: basically to jump on it and Just start. to do it, use...
1: but you could also do YouTube. Yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah, affect it's not exclusive. It All just, you have to yeah. do is three days early. And so mm. I'd make my videos. I actually had to change nothing about my day. I would just yeah, upload just it to Versal. <laughs> yeah. and, Get paid a and, back and some, And I, I was kind of right because mm. viewers didn't actually... You know, they there was they didn't care. They're like, Cool, it's on there. We're not gonna pay for it. Cool. We'll I'm gonna wait. watch it normally. They yeah. just waited. Kind of a year later it all stopped and I was like, Fuck, I'm luckily yeah. I said yes to yeah, that yeah, because yeah. it was it was, you know, no one got hurt in the process. Yeah, yeah. Uh and, you know, I was able to secure secure my future and feel a lot more confident to take other risks. Something maybe I should have said no to. Uh, there was this uh, thing called Hello World. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Vaguely. I'm so, uh, vaguely Hello World. Yeah, So, go on. so that was, uh, it was, you know, it was an idea whereby we wanted to create our own kind of like VidCon or Summer in the City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um And, y- y- you know... Uh, again, my memory is always not the best, so just bear with me. No, no, but they basically came up with this. They really did want to make something special. O- honestly, I know it's easy for me to say. It just wasn't, it didn't go to plan, right? Yeah. And I remember there was a lot of like backlash, like creators trying to like exploit their viewers to make a quick buck and stuff. Mm. And honestly, we wanted to create a business. We wanted to create something cool. We also wanted to make money. We wanted everyone to have a good experience. Mm. But that was a failure. and And I remember at the time feeling like really you know, bad. I now know that, firstly, that team obviously wasn't right for it. uh, But also the level of detail I went into it, I, I needed to put more detail. I needed to be more across things in future. And I learned yeah. from that. And so then I can bring that to the next thing.
2: Yeah, yeah. And other things now, interestingly, you know, with all of the experience you've got, I mean, you've got huge amounts of experience in terms of companies winning, losing, what works, what doesn't work. You know, you having your own businesses, successes, failures, challenges within them. Are there, are there ever things that you look back at your old sort of era, if you will, before your entrepreneurship yeah. period, and you say, right, if I'd done things this way or this way, it would, it, things would have been very different. Or I would have maybe approached my team slightly differently, yeah. my scaling slightly differently, yeah. et cetera.
1: I think I would have made more videos, actually. I think I was, um, I only made one video a week. And it was crazy, like, the videos were getting 10 million views. <laughs> uh, and I would just then spend the next three days, like, I was like 19, 20, I'd be like, just chilling a little bit. I wasn't like super, mm. I was one of those creators who wasn't like the scientific creator who would make it today. I was like one, people just for some reason, again, partly a big part of it was the network and so on I was a part of, but people were just interested in the videos and we had like a really authentic, fun thing going. I think people liked the fact that we weren't like this machine. We were real people just Mm. uploading videos once a week, living in our house, having a party and so on. But I think I was so scared of um, not getting like five, 10 million views or whatever it was at the time. And I always wanted to get to that next thing that I would make sure that I didn't upload often. And I think in hindsight, that wouldn't really matter Um, And I could have, again, maybe learned more, taken more risks and not put so much pressure on every single video.
2: Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on now is, you know, throughout your whole career, and I think this is also your point around how how creators can add value in in the world of business, is -hmm. that your mindset around collaboration is actually quite unique. And I think... In business, especially, there are some people who are great collaborators, probably the people who really do well are, but a lot of people also aren't as collaborative. They're slightly more guarded. But your view has always been collaboration, collaboration, Mm. collaboration. Actually, you took that into your businesses through working with Ben, through working with Joe, and through working with your cousin, right? So what would you say is the power of collaboration in business? Why is it so important? How has it allowed you to do all the different things you've done? Because without you collaborating, you'd never really have done any of these things, right?
1: So the oh yeah, the power of collaboration is you can, you know, one plus one equals five or three or whatever it is, because you can do more together. And so yeah, firstly, I wouldn't be able to do multiple things unless the, you know, unless we had hyper focus within the businesses, and I'm not necessarily that's not my role is to be hyper focused, it's to actually be out there learning about new things, bringing new ideas and meeting new people. And so it's good that I'm across multiple things. It actually helps, I feel like, all the businesses more than if I was just solely sitting there every day doing my one-to-ones and managing people. It's allowed me personally to um, be open to giving people the space to do their jobs really well rather than trying to do everything perfectly myself
2: you know, from all these companies that you've seen, the success stories of all of your investments, because I'd imagine you probably learned more. Well, I'm sure you learned a ton from your own businesses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'd imagine you learned a lot from the investments in the companies yeah, yeah, yeah. at scale because you see so many patterns. Yeah. What are, if you could pick one overriding lesson that you've taken from your investments yeah. that has helped to shape the way that you view business now that maybe you didn't know yeah. before, what would it be?
1: Ooh, so this is going to, it's like, it's not the nicest thing to say in the world, but... Someone's passion in something isn't like gonna mean it's gonna work or not, and by that I mean you get a lot of people who have like they're very passionate about a certain space, and they think because of their passion they can launch a really good business. And I've learned that actually, just really good operators in the right market at the right time. Obviously, I want them to be passionate as well, but it's not. It, it it's so much more. Having a business isn't just. You know, we're in a coffee business, so you have to be a coffee expert. No. If you're a business expert and you can learn about coffee, that's way more important. I'm learning. And again, I hope it doesn't like, I don't want it to take away from when I was younger and I was like, oh, I love something. I'm just going to go and do it. <laughs> yeah. but you're but not, I'm you're big, a grown man now. You, know, you see real- the world. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm starting to realize there's so much more to it than what you love and like your, yeah. your heart. And I want the heart there too. But I, I, I think ultimately what I'm saying here is be careful not just to blindly follow something because you like it yourself. 100%. And because you think the product is like really tasty. Mm. There's so much more to it. And yes, if you have a passion in life, uh, do that. And I love, I have certain passions, but if you want to make money and make sure you can s- support your the people you're hiring and like pay back your investors... Uh, you also got to have a hell of a of a business plan and, mm. and the ability to execute on that pl- yeah. that passion.
2: So the passion, the heart has to be in the process, not yeah. so much the idea.
1: Exactly. Because again, like I think even being a YouTuber, like people have this idea of what being a YouTuber is and they're like, I love that. Mm. But actually being a YouTuber might be spending a ton of time editing or a ton of time producing. It's the process, yeah. Or a ton of time yeah. making yeah. your you And so, are, do, you like, so yeah. do you actually like that process? And yeah. so yeah, you hit the nail mm. on the head there. And some of the best businesses, uh, you know, we've invested in, yeah, they have an incredible... Um, they're having an incredible impact on the world and and their, and their fans love them but the people behind the businesses are just really passionate about the process itself yeah.
2: how do we build from here to here how do we make this work exactly. not necessarily make my idea become the most popular yeah. idea in, in on the planet exactly. yeah and also I think it's a healthy emotional detachment exactly. from yeah. the idea so that you can also pivot because I've seen it a lot right where people will get as you say stuck in an idea this is the best thing in the world and then any criticism towards that idea any sort of pivoting yeah. away which you might need to to make them make it work in the market it almost becomes like a personal attack exactly. on, on the person when it has to have that exactly. situation. And,
1: and I think maybe the reason people think if I'm passionate about something and I love it and it's going to work is because we tend to read the success stories mm. and some of those success stories might be people rewriting the history of what they actually maybe they say they always love something but actually yeah. they just wanted to start a business was Jeff
2: Bezos maybe he was right I haven't read all the books about Jeff yeah. Bezos and early Amazon was he overly passionate when he was sat in the garage yeah. about necessarily Amazon. Maybe he was, maybe he's yeah. an exception. But actually, I'd imagine it was the fact that he could see the building yeah. of Amazon yeah. and the process of making that happen as the thing that motivated him. Not necessarily yeah. Amazon yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. And then obviously you come out and you go, yeah, I had this yeah. big vision. Maybe you did. Yeah, but yeah. more realistically, I'd imagine yeah. it's like, no, we want to get from here to here to here to here to here. That's the bit that exactly. gets you fired up. What would be your one piece of advice to a creator? It could be somebody who you guys manage or somebody you meet on the street. If somebody says to you, I'm trying to build, not even just a creative, I'm trying to build a business in yeah. 2023 and I want to make money online. I want to express myself creatively. What would be your one bit of advice to yeah. them?
1: Just literally start now, like make as many mistakes as you can and um, don't, yeah, don't try and overthink it, uh, you know, especially with the world we live in now with, with content and, and things like TikTok, like you don't have to perfect it for it to be good. People just, sometimes something you have no idea can be the biggest hit. So just try loads of things, see what happens. And then, you know, learn from those both those mistakes and what's starting to gain traction and then just double down on that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And who is your favorite creator right now?
1: Oh, Wow. That's a really that's a great question. So right now it's actually a group of creators and I don't necessarily love them in, as individuals but yeah. I love the content they create. Uh, it's called the All In podcast. I'm not sure if you've come across it. But it's it's uh it's it's um it's just this group of fairly strange guys um (laughs) who have fairly controversial views but they don't always agree with each other and i just love the arguments they have between each other and i also love the fact that they're constantly talking about like the biggest news in the world and i just i don't again i don't always agree with their their takes but i i feel like i always learn something from their podcast but i also laugh a lot at them fighting oh yeah 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 i'm on it now yeah these guys yeah yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I see. It's the thing. It's always yeah. They're the guys that I always see them on TikTok, right? And it's like yeah. billionaire tells da, yeah, da, they yeah, always yeah. they always cap it with like billionaire tells secret to X or was in every single video because obviously. But I don't know. If, I don't know if that actually works because some yeah, of the videos where they do that, you think oh, this should pop, but actually the views are kind of low. I don't know if they think oh, well we're billionaires, so we've just we've got it one hundred percent.
1: I think that might be <laughs> other people recreating their content. Maybe. They don't really talk about maybe yeah that, maybe that so much. It might also be other people. Yeah, they're yeah. usually talking like I mean. It will be, you know, this week they'll talk about why Elon Musk changed uh, Twitter to X. Yeah, yeah. And they happen to know him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. yeah. I was at dinner with Elon last night. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah it's exactly. Hot, guys. Yeah, no, they're great. Um, but yeah, it's just, I like, I I I'm finding more and more what I like to hear in conversations is is conflict rather than everyone yeah, just agreeing yeah. and, and so on. And yeah, so I love that.
2: Yeah, love it. Well, Casper, thank you. so We could honestly talk oh, all day. Well, thank I you. Like,
1: this has gone by like it felt like ten minutes. I know,
2: so. I know. Well, thank you so much, mate. And um, yeah, keep smashing it. Cheers, thank you. So that was Casper Lee what an incredible episode. I love talking to him about everything he's been up to and about his amazing journey to date. But most of all, I love learning about his theory on quitting and saying no to things, which seems to be a bit of a superpower for him in everything that he does. His whole attitude around if something doesn't work, move on is really powerful. And I think a lot of people need to hear that. This is a guy who's also invested in some hugely successful startups now, as well as having his own career that he let go because it wasn't right for him at the time. I think there's so much to learn from this episode, but the thing that really hit me was the idea of testing small testing make sure that you try something in its smallest form and if it doesn't work move on if it does you know you're onto a winner that theory of being ready to move being adaptable seems to be at the heart of casper's story and i think it's a real reason for his success today so thank you so much as ever for listening to this episode of unboxed make sure to subscribe and check it out wherever you get your podcast unboxed with jordan schwarzenberger is a listen original in partnership with arcade media the senior producer is Lucy Hunt, and the senior digital producer is Alice Tilley. Unbox is recorded at PRL Studios in West London with the support of Michael Kalazinski.
0: With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need.